What's going on, guys? It's me, Stephen Bagel, a.k.a. the NB Eagle, your mom's favorite podcast. <laughs> Back by popular demand, we have Jake Epstein. Jake, how are you doing today? I am doing just dandy. How are you doing? I'm doing well. This podcast is going to be a little bit, um, I would say, nostalgic for me because I started the podcast at the very beginning of the beginning of last season. And that podcast was my predictions for the season, such as teams' records, where teams are going to finish, um, MVPs, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, or the All-NBA teams, and that's what we're going to be doing today. So everything's coming full circle. I've been officially a year on the podcast. It's been actually more than a year because last NBA season started in, in October, Obviously, this season has been delayed. It's now December and the season's starting. But without further ado, I guess let's get into it. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. Throw it down. And the Blazers win the series. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. Bang. It's over. The Bulls. Curry. Way downtown. Bang. Bang. Oh, what a shot from Curry. James catches. Puts up the three. So what do you think the best way for us to go about this is? The way that I was thinking, do you want to start by, we can walk through both of our predictions for standings in the East and the West, then we can get into awards and then all NBA teams. Okay, that works. Perfect. Um, so do you want to chat about the East? Because for me, what's pretty interesting, I feel like there are you know a few buckets of teams you know, the East the past couple of years has been, you know, the seven or so playoff teams. Maybe there'd be a couple of teams jostling for eight and nine. But for me, I feel like there are a handful of teams that you know aren't really contenders, a handful that are going to be in that kind of six to ten range, or more like seven to ten, and then the six that are kind of at the top of the pack. But I feel like the East is going to be more interesting than people are giving it credit for. I'm very interested to see how the playing games are going to work. Totally. Um, what do you think of playing games? Do you think they're a good idea? I think it's not only going to help the NBA revenue, I think it's going to be pretty exciting the way how the 7 and 8 seed, whoever wins, gets to play or gets in, and then the loser has to play the 9 and 10, so the 9 and 10 have to win twice, and the 7 or 8 only have to win once. I just think it's an interesting dynamic, and now while – a lot of teams, such as the Atlanta Hawks and the Charlotte Hornets, have seemed to have gotten significantly better. I think it's going to be a pretty um, intense playing tournament this year. I liked the playing tournament because I know the only way we got to see it in the bubble last year was in that Grizzlies-Trailblazers matchup. Mm -hmm. But that had as much intensity as a late-round playoff series. Like, it was really... I mean, so it, the game was do or die for, yeah. at, least, for at least the... Um, for the one team and outside of a game seven or a game six game seven to that point depending on the context that do or die aspect of it really just i, I agree i'm excited i'm 
again, it's an experiment this year. We'll see how it plans out and if it just winds up being unfair if a team that because I get the counter of it as well. You know, if you are a top eight seed, you should be able to get into the playoffs. But um, the teams that I don't think have any shot of, you know, competing for that are the the Pistons, the Cavs, the Knicks. Um, I think those are the teams that we all acknowledge are still in rebuild mode and aren't really going to be trying for the playoffs per se. So I have Pistons at 15, Cavs at 14, Knicks at 13. Um, the Bulls and the Magic, to me, are the kind of interesting. I think they'll be trying. I don't think the Bulls are there quite yet. I've seen some people have the Bulls in the playoffs. People have them in the playoffs last year, too. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, they got rid of the worst coach in the league, and they brought in a fantastic and coach. Luke Walton makes the difference. Luke Walton, yeah, well, he's the worst coach in the league now. Yeah. He's the worst current coach in the league. Um, but I've got the Bulls at 12. I've got the Magic at 11. I like the Magic. I like that they always play hard, but losing Isaac is big. I know neither of us are huge on Cole Anthony, so I don't love that addition for them. It's funny. Because I have the same bottom five. almost In that same order? <laughs> I have Pistons 15, and I flip-flop the Cavs and Knicks. So I have the Knicks 14 and Cavs 13. Then okay. I have the Bulls at 12 and Magic at 11. And the Magic are interesting because they made the playoffs back-to-back years. Yeah. They're the always good. Team. And they just keep running back with the same team and keep taking the 7 or 8 seed every year. But yeah, I think the loss of Isaac is really going to be – because. I feel like Al-Farouk Aminu now is going to start at small forward. And don't get me wrong, he's he's not a bad player. But I didn't love the slight upgrades that they made. I don't love the Cole Anthony pick. And who knows, he could prove us wrong and really pop. And then maybe that team could make a little bit of noise. I just don't really see it personally. Yeah, the thing with Orlando is that they're very defensive-oriented. And I think that's how they really – that was the calling card to get into the playoffs the last two years. But I just feel like with all these teams upgrading, you know how Russell Westbrook in the East, the Hornets have added LaMelo Ball and Gordon Haywood. The <laughs> Hawks obviously added Danilo Gallinari and Rajon Rondo and Bogdan Bogdanovich. And, and Chris the Dunn. top seven in the East were already good to begin with, and they all gotten better. Yeah, and so, so that brings me to my 10 seed. I have the Hornets. That's who uh, I have as well. Yeah, and I like LaMelo. I'm excited to see him develop and He'll bring relevance to Charlotte, which is what they need. Because even though Kemba had that to an extent, he wasn't the he wasn't Lamella. He wasn't box office like this. And for that, I'm excited for them. I always like when a small market team has something to root for. Um, and I I get the Gordon Hayward thing. Every fan on the planet acknowledges it was an overpay, but you need to overpay people to get them to Charlotte. You just do. Um, and relevancy is all they really need. And if they can fight, and if they really click, they could very well be the eight seed. That's all they really need at this point. Well, the funny thing about the Hornets is that they're actually sneaky deep. Yeah. They don't have a center. Cody Zeller is a starting center. But figure the starting five is Cody Zeller, P.J. Washington, Gordon Hayward, Rogier, and Devontae Graham. Then you have LaMelo and Miles Bridges coming off the bench. Yeah. And I like Washington a lot. I think that was a great pick for them. Yeah, I like Washington too. Yeah, um, I think they're going to play a lot of small ball with him at the five and play a three-point guard lineup. I agree. I agree. And then, so I feel like last year and this year, it was like, okay, now the, the contenders in the East, it's the Bucks, Nets, Sixers, Heat, Celtics, Raptors, 
Um, and then, you know, it was Pacers last year and now it's the, the Wizards and the Hawks component. So those are nine teams. And the team that I have outside looking in is the Pacers. And I know that's kind of a hot take, but I think with Oladipo still kind of being a question mark and not really wanting to be there, the Sabonis, TJ Warren dynamic, you know, who knows exactly how that's going to continue to pan out. And I like taking a shot on an assistant coach, a Nate Bjorkren, you know, similar to what happened with Nick Nurse, and he could really pop. But to me, they didn't do anything to improve while many other teams in the East did. I just very well could see them being the team falling out of sorts a little bit. And right now, today, I have them as the ninth seed. Well, the thing with Indiana is they really needed to rebuild when Paul George requested a trade. Sure. And that was the plan. And then they got Oladipo and Sabonis, and everyone mocked them saying that was a horrible return. What the what the hell are they doing? Two All-Stars. <laughs> and then Sabonis and Oladipo ended up both making an All-Star team within three years of that trade. So they never really got the opportunity to rebuild once Paul George left. I think they're embracing for all the deep to leave, so I wouldn't be shocked if he moved at the deadline. And I wouldn't be shocked they the Miles Turner and Sabonis dynamic has not worked. So they were clearly shopping Miles Turner to get Gordon Hayward there yeah. this offseason sign and trade. I think they're gonna to continue to shop Miles Turner in order to find guys that fit around Sabonis better. Yeah. And the what I just keep going back to, if I look at Pacers versus Hawks, Wizards, Sixers, Heat, Celtics, Raptors, Nets, Bucks. The Pacers guy or guys are just worse than all of those other teams. When I mean like versus KD and Kyrie or Simmons and Embiid or Butler and Adebayo. I just, for me, I I might be taking a bit of a shot in the dark here. I just kind of see them as the nine seed. Do you have Hawks at nine? No, I have... Washington and nine. Gotcha. Just because they were so they were they had one of the best offenses in league history last year, but they also had one of the worst defenses. Sure. Russell Westbrook and Denis Avija are not going to improve that. My so, whole well, thing with it, though, because I'm not disagreeing with you at all, but the reason I have the Wizards actually is seven. I have Hawks at eight. The reason I have the Wizards at seven, though is because I just can't picture Russell Westbrook in the East with Bradley Beal, with Hachimura, who I think is going to take a step. I love the Latvian laser Davis Bertans. You're one of my favorite players, Davis, if you're listening. You know, let's get on a podcast together. Um, But I, and again, I'm rooting for Denny Avdia as a Jewish kid seeing an Israeli guy in the league. I agree with that. Yeah, I'm rooting for him to succeed, and plenty of people were saying he could have gone as high as two. Amari Stoudemire, and again, of course, he was his teammate, so he's going to say that, but he was his teammate on Maccabi Tel Aviv, talking about how much he really sees this kid being next up. But when you've just got this versatile wing with so much potential, I like what they've got down in Washington, and I just can't see... Russell Westbrook playing as hard as he does with Bradley Beal alongside him missing the playoffs. Okay. I respect. I mean, they're definitely going to at least get in the playing game. 
Sure. So I don't know if the playing game is considered the playoffs or not, but I think they're right on that cusp right there. I just think – I think Indiana will blow it up, but I think they're going to be so far ahead safely in that playoff picture by the time the trade deadline is. And keep in mind, this is an 82-game season. This is only 72 games. Sure. So those less games after the trade deadline than typically would be. I got you. So I think they'll blow it up by the deadline. But provided the backcourt of all the depot and Brogdon stay healthy, which is a big if because both of them have injury concerns, I think Indiana's just based off that will limp in. Now the playing tournament, if they're the seventh seed, I could picture them losing two in a row at that point and missing the playoffs. Yeah. But this will basing off of the regular season standings. And I think Indiana will still be have good enough of a cushion that they're gonna hold on to seven. So yeah, my nine eight seven is Pacers, Hawks, Wizards. Is yours Wizards, Hawks, Pacers? Yeah. Gotcha. The Hawks are deep, but they have the same concerns that I had for the Wizards. Is that they had an atrocious defense last year. Yeah. Trey Young is probably the single-handedly worst defender in the NBA. They have Clint Capella, which does improve that offense a little bit. Yeah. But Bogdan Bogdanovich, Danilo Gallinari, they don't help your defense at all. Chris Dunn does. You need, a, you need to hope DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish both take a step in the defensive category. The- Onyeka Kongu should help as well. It gives them a competent center at all minutes of the game. But what I'm picturing for this Hawks team is them playing a lot of small ball with John Collins at the five and Gallinari at the four. And John Collins is not a good protector. Yeah. The thing that I appreciate about what the Hawks did, they pretty much said, we've got this cap space. And everyone's talking about waiting for 2021. Let's go for it in 2020. Let's not hold out to see if we could get. And they're trying to keep Trey Young happy by doing it. Trying to keep Trey Young happy. I love the additions that they made. I mean, I think there are too many cooks in the kitchen. And at this point, I feel like John Collins is kind of the odd man out. And they haven't extended him, so I think they could shop him, which is why, for your last pod, they're a sneaky team in the James Harden sweepstakes. Um, Though I don't really see that happening. I like the Hawks, but I think taking time for it all to mesh, to your point, Hunter and Reddish by the end of the season, we might start seeing it a little bit more. I just think they're a little ways away from making any real noise. Um. And then, you know, for the top six, we definitely have Celtics, Heat, Raptors, Sixers, Nets, and Bucks. Now, for my sixth seed, I've got Toronto. So do I. And I really like the Raptors. I feel like they're at this very interesting crossroads, though, where you've got Kyle Lowry. I get he's on an expiring deal. Of course, you had to keep Fred Manvliet. Um You've got Siakam there, Ananobi could definitely be in, you know, the most improved player talk. I just see them keeping a lot of the same guys who are getting, a lot of them are tailing off. And then you lose Gasol, you lose Ibaka. I see them being the team that kind of starts to regress a little bit of that pack. Well, yes, they were the two seed last year. I have them the six seed, so clearly I have them regressing as well. But when I was looking at this, I was like, how much better is Marcus Gasol and Sergi Barker from Aaron Baines and Chris Boucher? I mean, so probably significantly, 
but the essence of the player remains the same. Aaron Baines is a strong, big body in the middle, starting for them. And then Chris Boucher is the more athletic, mobile, shot-blocking, can shoot threes, big man coming off the bench in the role Ibaka had. Sure. But also, so, don't discredit, I could very well see them, I'm not even joking, getting off to a slow start, being in Tampa. Like, being in a completely new setting, living in completely new places... I see them maybe being a little, I don't want to say sluggish, but just kind of not really feeling like themselves playing in a different place. Like, I think that could be a very real thing. It scares me to sleep on Toronto, though, just because of how well coached yeah. they are. You saw them lose Kawhi and then get a better record the year without him than what they had with him. Yeah. Nick Nurse is probably the best coach in the NBA, so it just terrifies me to sleep on You can him. never sleep on Toronto. And... Who knows? Like, I I could be wrong, but in the Vegas Someone odds... Someone has to be the six seed out of these 16. Yeah. One of them has to be. Um, and then my five seed, unpopular opinion, maybe my bias playing into it a little. I've got Boston. Um, because I know Gordon Hayward was kind of hated in Boston through no fault of his own. And I know fans will acknowledge that. Look, it's not his fault he got hurt. It's not his fault Brad Stevens forced him back in a little sooner than expected. But people are like, oh, it's so much better he's not on the team. But Gordon Hayward leaving didn't give them cap space because they were already over the cap. And if the reports are true that Danny Ainge turned down the sign and trade of Turner and Dougie McBuckets because he was holding out for Oladipo or Warren, then he was moronic. He was just flat out stupid. And yes, he created a, what was it? $28 million trade exception that he could absorb Andre Drummond into, but Danny Ainge is always all talk and doesn't actually ever pull the trigger on things. And so they didn't really up. They didn't upgrade at center. Tristan Thompson, you know, slots in nicely. He could do some things there, but he can't stretch the floor and you lost your small forward. So now you'll be running kind of some small ball with Smart and Jalen Brown as your wings. And of course, they're great players and I like them a lot. I just see them between Heat, Sixers, Nets, Bucks, Celtics. I think they, the other four teams definitely got better and the Celtics kind of stayed stagnant. Well, I don't know how big the loss of Hayward is to them because as, we, as I said in the group chat that we're in earlier today, is that... Boston lost Hayward the first game of the playoffs last year and still went to the Eastern Conference Finals without him. So I think the team is at its best when Marcus Smart is able to play 30-plus minutes, and he wasn't able to do that with Gordon Hayward there. True. In my mind, Marcus Smart, the player that he is today, is his ceiling. With Jalen Brown, I definitely see him getting better. Tatum's going to be the X factor. There are people in the world that think by the end of this year he's going to be a top-five player. There are legitimately people that think that. To me, he's a little bit too streaky at the end of games and big moments. He was kind of shrinking a bit in the playoffs, and I get it. He's still young. He's still 19 in Boston's eyes. So we'll see how that pans out. I I don't know. I'm just not feeling great about them. Um, The Heat, I have it for. I respect the hell out of what they did this past year. Um, Jimmy is always going to be one of my favorite guys. He gets that whole team playing hard. I think many people will agree them being as good as they were was kind of bubble syndrome and they probably wouldn't have made the finals if crowds were involved. Um, I still think they 
could make noise and they could come out of the East. I'm not discrediting that. I just see them as a regular season team with a couple not insignificant losses with the Jay Crowders of the world. I slot them in as the four seed. I have Miami and Boston flip-flopped. I have Miami at five, Boston at four. The thing with Miami is I think they're what they were last year. You said you thought it was a product of the bubble. I just think it's a product of them being a playoff team over a regular season team. They're very well-disciplined, very well-coached. They play very hard. Spolstrom might be the second-best coach in the NBA if Nick Nurse is the first at this point. Um, I think Mo Harkless is personally an upgrade over Jay Crowley. Okay. Interesting. Um, and Avery Bradley shouldn't be discredited. That was a nice little But they up. also lost Derek Jones Jr. And I think Derek Jones Jr. to Avery Bradley is a downgrade. So I think overall they about remain the same. Okay. And then – Really quickly, my three, two, one. I got Sixers at three, Nets at two, Bucks at one. That's what I have. Perfect. So yeah, the Sixers. I mean, with with these, and again, for all the listeners out there, we are rec- we are recording before anything's happened with Harden. So who knows how that's going to impact the Sixers or the Nets or the Rockets or any other team? But I think just I think the Sixers team with better coaching with a lot of really good upgrades, you know, with the rookies and with the vets playing in systems that make more sense. I think Heat, Sixers, Nets, or Bucks, any of them could come out of the East. Um, the Nets with Katie and Kyrie, I just, I'm excited to see what that's going to be. I mean, who knows what Kyrie is going to do to the locker room? He's already talking a bunch of nonsense, um, but that's going to be. An exciting team to watch, and I'm excited to see Steve Nash as a coach. Um, and then the Bucks are a regular season team. I think that Drew Holiday was a massive upgrade for them. They also made a couple like little tweaks on the bench that I appreciate. And Giannis in the regular season, I mean, I see him not taking a step forward like he has the past few years. But to me, I'd be shocked if the Bucks are not the one seed because of how much of a regular season team they are. Yeah, the Bucks remind me of those LeBron Cavs teams that just every year would win 60-plus games regardless of who was on the team just because LeBron would dominate the East, and I think Giannis could do the same. Totally. Um, the Sixers don't look great on paper. I just think the combination of players they have now with the additions of Danny Green and Seth Curry and the shooting around Ben Simmons and Embiid is just going to click. And I know it's just two preseason but games, but Tyrese Maxey is exciting, me. <laughs> and so is Shake Oh, yeah. Doc loves shaking. <laughs> I think in order to get to the three seed, this Doc Rivers is going to have to get out of Tobias Harris what he got out of him when he coached him for the Clippers. Well, he was almost in the 50-40-90 club. But I've got no reason to think that he can't do that. I think... Oh, well, did you watch tonight's game? <laughs> I, I'm not putting any stock. Tobias Harris is pretty sure, brutal. Sure, but for me, preseason games, you know, that's not... <laughs> no, yeah, I agree, and I still rank them number three after watching that game. I got you. I got you. I'm just excited that we have NBA basketball in a few days. Um, but let's go to the West because the West is really intriguing because I've got the Thunder at 15. I think you probably do as well. To me, they're the only team not contending for, and not trying to make the playoffs in the entire yeah, Western yeah, Conference. I, agree with that. Um, I definitely agree with that. A team that I've got at 14 that I think is going to hit reset midseason, is San Antonio. That's who I have as well. Um, 
respect the hell out of Pop. I love DeRozan. I love Aldridge. I like some of the young pieces they have there. I just see them one step behind the rest of the conference. I think I agree with you. I think they will blow it up. I think DeRozan and Aldridge are both on expiring contracts, so why not trade them at the deadline to get something for them? Because I could see a Brooklyn being interested in either of them if they don't get Harden. That would be a great pickup for them at the deadline. Um, maybe bring like a LaMarcus back to Portland if they're really rolling and could bring him in at the four and have Covington at the three. But I just – I think they need to do the rebuild, and I think they'll kind of realize that. Um, I've got Sacramento at 13. I love De'Aaron Fox. I really like Buddy Heald. Tyrese Halliburton might be the steal of the draft. I know you think he's the best player in the draft, right? I think he's going to be the best player in the draft class. But Bagley, I don't love. Luke Walton, I truly believe, is the worst coach in the league. And as competitive as the West is, I just don't see them making much noise. Okay, I have Sacramento. Okay, who do you have at 13? 13 might actually surprise you a little bit because they ended up making the playing tournament last year. Uh, Memphis? And they were the 18 most of the year. I have oh, Memphis. wow. My thing is, I think they overachieved last year by a mile. Janet Jackson Jr. is out for God knows Yeah. Long, and Brandon Clark is an adequate replacement for him. But I don't know. I just th- I really think last year was pretty fluky for them. And you saw in the bubble how much they really struggled once, like, they came back down to earth. For me, it'll come down to how long Jaron Jackson is out because I love him. And I think Ja... And Justice Winslow's out. So two of the five starters might be out the first two months of the season. Okay. like, But based on that, I can get behind that because I had them at 11. Um and then I had Minnesota at 12. I had Minnesota okay. at 11. Gotcha. So we've got 11, 12, and 13, just in different orders. Um, yeah. I I think the Anthony Edwards pick, if he's just not the next Andrew Wiggins, if this kid's just got an attitude that he's going to go out there and play with, and who the hell knows what's going on with Malik Beasley, but if we just assume for the sake of this that he's got his own crap together, I think... They're on the up and up, but they're not there yet. Um, and then... It, and the big question for Minnesota is, who's that defensive stopper? Carl Anthony Towns can't protect the rim. They don't really have a power forward, whether it's Jake Lehman, Juancho Hernan Gomez, or Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Either way, they really don't have an adequate four. And then what do you have? You have, I guess, Anthony Edwards, Malik Beasley, and D'Angelo Russell with Vicky Rubio and Jal Colter off the bench. I mean... None of those guys can play defense. Anthony, and in the West, you're going to get yeah. even They're hoping time. Anthony Edwards is going to be that wing defender, which he absolutely can be. He's just not going to be as a rookie. But but he is exciting. They never always yeah. Um And then I've got the Pelicans, but I'm not sure if you saw the official photo shoot. Zion's looking big. He, he is not looking toned. Yeah, but how many games is he going to play? That's my point. Like, Over and under... Over and under, I'm giving it 60 and a half. And I, think I think that's, that's very generous. I would take the under on that. I think, I think realistically, I would say 56. I think I'd take the under, too. But, 56, I don't know if i go over or under. And I like Ingram a lot. I don't know. Lonzo Ball's in a Lonzo contract Ball's in a contract year. Of course, we got JJ. We got, you know, 
Hayes and Nikhil Alexander-Walker taking a step. The sticky point with the Pelicans for me is I'm a sticker when it comes to these kind of things because fit is huge in the NBA. I just can't get past that David Griffin signed Stephen Adams, not only traded a first-round pick, but extended him, but signed him to a two-year extension. Stephen Adams and Zion are not going to work next to each other, and Stephen Adams is going to end up playing 20 minutes a night because of it because Zion's best is a small ball five with a shooter like Nick Romelli next to him. I So I had in my mock offseason, I had them trading for Miles Turner because I think Miles Turner and Zion are perfect fits next to each other. If they had Miles Turner instead of, instead of Stephen Adams, I have them as a playoff team in the West most likely. But who knows? Maybe the whole thought process of extending him was to trade him in a couple of months. Maybe. Um, or their thought process was, let's just have a brick wall of Stephen Adams and Zion. We had the two strongest guys in the league. Which let me tell you something. No one's going to want to go into that paint. But... Nope. Um, so yeah, then you know the nine remaining teams, it's Rockets, Warriors, Suns, Jazz, Blazers, Mavericks, Clippers, Nuggets, Lakers. Now, today, if the Rockets trade James Harden, depending on what the package is, I might have them at nine. But today, right now, I can only assume that Harden's going to be there because I can't predict where he'll go. The team that I have on the outside looking in is Golden State. Because I don't love Wiggins. I see regression from Draymond. Wiseman, I think, is a nice player, but I don't think he's got tremendous upside. And Oubre is a nice little addition, but I just don't see Steph carrying that team to a better record than the Chris Paul, Devin Booker Suns. I just don't. Okay. I have Golden State. Who do you have at nine? Okay. Yeah, I've got Houston at seven. Just because of all the question marks. Houston, I think we can all – because if they run it back completely with Harden and this team clicks, they could be the four seed. But yep, I agree. I think I just think there's a zero percent chance James Harden is on that team past the trade deadline. I agree, but I have no idea what they're getting back and for him. I just keep thinking of do you remember that video of Jimmy Butler when he requested a trade in Minnesota and trade him yet? Of when they were playing Golden State, he was waving rally towels with the Golden State fans cheering for Golden State because he won out of Minnesota it was kind too of badly. And then we got him. <laughs> That's what I, oh, no, what it kind of funny. It was fucking hilarious. <laughs> But the thing is, is that I just picture Harden saying, you know what, I'm not playing anymore. I'm just going to Vegas and going to strip clubs every night. I mean, never forget. I could just picture him. He turned down a two-year, $100 million contract extension. He does not. I mean, my guy and Nick Wright, first things first, if you're listening, hit me up because I love you. But he pointed out like such an incredible statistic and I'm misquoting it for sure, but James Harden has made over $200 million off the court. And in his contracts, he's made about $200 million on the court. At this point, because the other thing that's fascinating, the NBA is not the NFL. Whereas in the NFL, Le'Veon Bell sat out and his contract just expired. In the NBA, you can't do that. Like in theory, if James Harden sat out this whole year, he doesn't have one year left on his deal. He still has two years left on his deal. So, um, but yeah, right now I have them at seven. Again, I, I think we're not going to disagree on them completely. But so I've got Warriors nine, Suns eight, Rockets seven. You have Rockets, Warriors, Suns. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited for Phoenix. I think I'm, I'm skeptical to have Phoenix as high because of Phoenix. 
The dumb fucking sons, your favorite catchphrase. The dumb fucking sons and the dumb fucking necks. And it should probably be the dumb fucking kings as well. Those three organizations just time after time after time screw up. And I don't love the addition of Chris Paul just because of he doesn't fit the timeline of the rest of the team. But I think as a result, they're going to progress like years quicker yeah. than they would have without Chris Paul. And I feel about the Suns the same general way I feel about the Hornets. They just need relevance. And the Suns not making the playoffs for 10 years. Get them in as the 7 or 8 seed. Phoenix fans are excited. That's what they need. So I can support it. Um, I've got Utah at six. I love Donovan Mitchell. I don't know what the whole dynamic's going to be with Gobert. I didn't understand their draft at all. Who the heck knows what we're going to get out of Conley. But Quinn Snyder is a really good coach. If we get fans back the second half of the season, it's still one of the best home court advantages. I, I just can't drop them lower than six, but I don't see them being much higher than six. I Who do you have five. at six? Six, I have Dallas only because I don't know how long Kristaps is going to be out. Fair, fair. I Kristaps is out to start the year. So when you're looking at the team, the starting five is who? Luca, Josh Richardson, Tim Hardaway, then probably Dorian Finney-Smith and Dwight Powell. Aside from Luca, your second best player is probably Josh Richardson. It's just I really believe in Luca. I actually have Dallas at four. Oh, no, I do too. But I'm, do- I'm docking Steph freaking Curry to number eight because of everyone around him. And he has a better supporting cast than Luca. True, does. but Luca's going to get Porzingis back. It is a matter of when. At but, some point. Um, yeah. But yeah, so then... So at four, do you have Portland? Well, I have Utah five. I have Portland. You have Portland at three. three. Okay. I, I have Denver. Okay. So I've got Portland at five, though I love their offseason. They had one of the best offseasons in the league. I think I love their offseason. I think they had the best offseason of any team in the Covington's NBA. my guy. Derek Jones Jr. was a huge pickup. They, I love their starting five. They finally got some defense. Um, yeah. the teams that I just have above them, I've got Dallas at four, and I'll explain why in a little bit. But I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if Portland made it up to three. Um, I mean, I feel like this team constructed the way that it is with you know the Dame CJ centrism kind of hit their ceiling with the conference finals appearance two years ago. I don't see the team the way that it is now making the finals. Um. But I'm excited to watch that team. I love Dame. There's there's a lot of fun stuff about that team, and it fits a lot better than Portland teams had previously. Uh, but you have Denver at four. I have Denver at four. I've got Denver at two. Um, I see enormous strides from Murray and Jokic. And I'm not even the biggest Michael Porter Jr. guy. I like him. Um, I don't think he's going to have a Brandon Ingram type here like a lot of people think he's going to. Um, but I just see such huge strides from Jokic and Murray that I see them up at two. Um, so, okay, you're, you have Denver at four, Portland at three, and then what, Clippers two, Lakers one? See, I, I've got Clippers at three because I think a lot of the problems from the Clippers team are still there. Like, they still don't really have a point guard. 
They've still got these two divas. They've still got Paul George that'll point the blame at everybody except himself. I think a big issue with Paul George last year was the fact that he was being coached by Doc Rivers. The personal aspect of it. And, and for the people who don't know what I'm referring to that are listening to this pod, Seth Curry is basically Doc Rivers' son-in-law because he's married to Callie Rivers. But Paul George previously dated Callie Rivers and cheated on her with an exotic dancer at the time who Paul George ended up getting pregnant and he's now engaged to. So there's that personal, personal beef of Doc Rivers saying, okay, this is a dude that cheated on my daughter that now I have to coach him. And I give Doc Rivers credit for having to look him in the face every day and coaching him. And I don't know how the hell he okay, did that because I cannot do that. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, but I think that is going to resolve a decent amount of the Clippers' issues. I think Montrezl Howell was also a big issue though last year because clearly he just he didn't have it in the playoffs after missing the entire eight regular season game bubble of after his grandma passed away. Yeah, but the other thing with Trez, and there were all those stories that were coming out recently that the the guys, the dogs, Montrez, Pat Bev, Lou Will, didn't like the treatment that Kawhi and Paul George were getting. And that's why they kind of viewed Trez leaving as addition by subtraction. But I'm just saying that's still there. Now, if they're going to somehow consolidate Lou Will and Pat Bev into a deadline move, okay, maybe we're talking. Um, and I still very well could see a Lakers-Clippers conference finals. I just think, I mean, the Nuggets were the two seed two years ago. And coming off of that incredible playoff run with an amazing coach in Mike Malone, that's why I have them at two. I feel like the top of the West regular season could just fall so many different ways, but I don't see any scenario where the Lakers aren't one barring a catastrophic. Injury. No, I agree with that. Um, the nuggets, the common theme here for me is who the hell is going to defend on that team. Will Barton, <laughs> Gary Harris, Will Barton, Will Barton is pissed off right now that he came off the bench. He said, I'm not no six man. So they need to yeah. figure this out. Because they started Michael Porter Jr. over him. They lost Jeremy Grant, who was the best defensive player. Paul Millsap. He can give you a little now. on the defensive end. He, yeah, a little something. But when he might be the best defensive player on the roster, I don't know how Bow Bowls, because they don't have a backup center anymore since they lost Plumley. So you have to hope Bow Bowl is able to make enough strides to be that backup center. Unless they're counting on Isaiah Hardy's Which I don't team. think they are. But... Gary Harris has extreme injury concerns. Will Barton was out all the way through the bubble up until last preseason game. He just finally came back. So he has injury concerns. I just think I do, I can see an avenue where they can't be the two seed like you're saying. I just think realistically maybe I would flip flop then and pull them now that I've talked it out and put pulled in four, Denver three, but I put pulled in at three just as a tip of the cap of how great the season that was. Fair enough. And the clip no, no, no. You go. My go bad. ahead. Okay. I was just going to say with the Clippers, I think they've gotten better than they were last year because I think Sergi Baca clearly is a better playoff player than Montrezl Harrell is. Sure. But I also think one of the craziest offseason contracts was four years, 64 mil for Marcus Morris. I'm not even kidding. I think... Oh, yeah, because he's 31 years old, so you sign him through his age 35 year. Marcus Morris isn't a player whose game's going to fit at, like... His game isn't going to eat well. But, you know, for the season, you know, I could see Blazers 
Mavs, Clippers, Nuggets, all kind of jostling two through five. Um, and then what's your finals matchup? Lakers, Lakers Nets. Nets. Oh, my God, that would be so amazing. The Nets are low-key. They're really deep. Stacked. If they trade for Harden, like even if, if they Kyrie trade for Harden, I think it blows the fuck up. I do not see that ending well at all. I just even if Kyrie plays twenty games again, they have Dinwiddie, they have Levert, they have Joe Harris, they have Jared Allen, they have Torian Prince, they have Landry Shamit, they have TLC had a good year last year. They had Jeff Green. They're just so they deep. and. I feel like the reason I just can't picture them in the finals is because I haven't seen Kevin Durant play in so long. And I'm just having a hard time picturing him coming back as the exact same guy. But I mean, he's, he's Kevin Durant. So yeah, I don't see the bucks making it to the finals with Brooklyn. It's a possibility. I don't really see it with Miami. I don't really see it with Boston. And again, I am acknowledging my bias here, but until, Till this iteration of this team isn't here anymore. I'm predicting the Sixers in the finals. I got Sixers Lakers because I just see there being good matchups. If, if we keep the team the way that it is and Harden isn't a factor, I just see Simmons being the best matchup for Kevin Durant defensively than pretty much anybody in the East. Kind of the same with Tatum kind of the same with most of these wings. And I mean, Embiid versus Giannis, Embiid versus Bam. And again, I'm acknowledging my bias here, but I see a Sixers-Lakers finals, um, you know, rematch of 2001, rematch of 83. I'm all in for it. You know, I'm ready to be hurt again. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I think you're going to do heartbroken just like but, all of us. Um, Let's move to the awards and let's kind of work bottom up. Who do you have as your coach of the year? Coach of the year? What are we doing? Yeah. Top three, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I have a number three. I'm giving a tip of the cap to okay. Monty Williams because Phoenix, I think, is going to finally be a playoff team. I do have a lot of guys on that team making huge strides, and I'm going to get to that when we get to um okay. other awards. I have Frank Vogel number two because the Lakers, I think, are going to be the best, the most dominant and best team in the NBA. And then Terry I have Terry Stotts number one. Very interesting. Um, he's not in my top three, but if Portland's the three seed, like you were saying, he'll be in the conversation. Um, I've got Steve Nash at three because I just see Brooklyn being really, really good and him adding some creativity to it. Um, I've got Mike Malone at two. I think he could win because I think he's been in the conversations the past few years. And if the Nuggets are the two seed, I feel like it'll be like Nick Nurse last year where it's like, hey, we, we got to give this guy some credit. Um, but I have Frank Vogel winning it because I don't think he got nearly as much credit as he should have for last year because he did a very good job managing that team, implementing a lot of defense. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when we were going into last season, the question on the Lakers was their defense and they were the best defensive team in the league. That's a big testament to Vogel. I see them just dominating. I have him winning it all. Um, All my most improved players. I'm a big fan of Kentucky guards. Um, You know, media's darling Tyler hero. I don't have in my top three, but I wouldn't be shocked if he is my top three are all Kentucky guards. SGA at three. Um, I just see him putting up crazy numbers with this whole bad team being centered around him. 
Um, I've got De'Aaron Fox at two. As bad as Luke Walton is, I really see him just kind of going for it. And with Halliburton there kind of complimenting off of him, maybe some small ball, him, Halliburton, and Buddy Heald end of games. I also, De'Aaron Fox is my favorite young player in the league. Um, but the reason I've got Denver at two, I've got Jamal Murray winning most improved player. Because if he can replicate even 80% of his bubble performance, he's going to be an all-star. Um, spoiler alert, I have him on my all-NBA third team. We'll get to that in a little, but I've got him as most improved See, I hate giving – I hate that Brandon Ingram got most improved this year because I understand – I understand analytics and stats and all that. That's big on what I predicate this podcast on. But Brandon Ingram averaged 18 points a game already. He was already an above-average NBA player. I understand it wasn't efficient. I understand he didn't shoot threes. And I understand he fixed his problems and made an all-star team in the West. But – I think a guy like Devontae Graham or Bam Adebayo, or Devontae Graham averaged three points in the shops and 16 points. That's what Paul George did. That's what Jimmy Butler did when each of them won the award. I just think a guy like Brandon Ingram, who already averaged 18 points a game, albeit horrible efficiency, I don't know. So that's why I want to put a guy like Jamal Murray because he's already been a borderline okay. all-star. And maybe my pick after giving that spiel might be a bit hypocritical. Because this guy ha- already had a pretty damn good year this year. But my number three, and the main reason why I have Monty Williams in top three consideration for Coach of the Year is I have mm. Bridges number three. He can lock down basically any team's best wing in the league. And we saw that in the bubble when they went 8-0. He was locking down Kawhi. He was locking down Paul George. He was locking That's an down interesting pick. Games. He was locking down every- so I just think he's going to take such a big leap defensively, being mentored by a guy like Chris Paul, who's been to multiple all-defensive teams. I like it. So I'm putting Mikhail Bridges number three. Number two, I'm putting Michael Porter Jr., just because I think that dude could average 25 points a game this year. He just is going to get buckets. And Denver's going to let him get buckets. With Jokic's ability to pass, I don't know how happy he's going to be being the number three option on his team. So I could picture it being an issue. As I said on my last podcast, I see Denver getting James Harden. I think if he goes to Houston, it's over. I think he's a 15, uh, provided his health, he's provided he stays healthy, he's going to dominate on Houston, be the main guy, be the number one guy, average 25 points a game. He's going to be, he's going to be what Harden was in Houston when OKC traded him to Houston. I got you. And who do you have winning it? I have Shade Gilgis Alexander. So it's a bit hypocritical given I just said Brandon Ingram should have known one because he already was an above-average NBA player averaging 18 points a game. I think Shea averaged about that this year. But I think Shea Gilgis Alexander could have a triple-double this year. Shea's the man. <laughs> I think he's going to average like 23-7-7 or something like that. He's going to be absolutely awesome on that team. He's the only guy on that team. Because all the young guys are putting around. Lou Dort doesn't put up stats. He's just a defensive guy. Darius Basley is okay. Then Al Horford, George Hill, like yeah. that's all they really have. They have nobody on the bench, so I just think he's going to take on such a big workload. And a common theme in my awards is just guys getting the opportunity and being the only guy there. So for that reason, I give him number one. For six man of the year, I know it's the hardest one to predict because you don't know who's going to be a six man. If for my assumption, and we don't really need to do top three for this one because of that, I've got Schroeder winning it because I think it's criminal that he didn't win it last year. 
in this world, I'm assuming LeBron's the starting point guard. Schroeder's coming off the bench. I wouldn't be shocked if he does start, but if he is a bench man, I think he's going to win it. I have Clarkson and Bertans in there too. But again, I just don't know how lineups are going to play, play out. But in this scenario, I have Schroeder winning it. I'm fairly certain okay. Schroeder's going to be starting. So I didn't include him. I put a few caveats next to my top three. My caveats are Lou Williams might not even be the best six-man on his own team anymore, given that Sergi Barker's probably been coming off the bench there. I think Spencer Dinwiddie's going to end up starting too many games mm-hmm. with Kyrie being hurt or KD being hurt and then playing Kyrie and Dinwiddie next to each other or something like that. LaMelo Ball's projected to come off the bench. I think he's just eventually going to outplay Terry Rozier yeah. and then take over the job. And I think Tyler Hero's going to do the same with Kenny I don't. Th- I think the backcourt so, for Miami is going to be Dragic, Duncan Robinson as the one and two starters. Yeah, then maybe they just play a three-goal lineup with Hero at the three, play Jimmy at the four, and then Bam at the five, and just play a small lineup. I don't know what they're going to do, but Tyler Hero is too good. Well, to he's Michael Jordan, if you ask Miami. He's clearly one of the five best players. <laughs> yeah. um, so, do you have Lamelo winning but it? Anyway, no. I basically because I said Lamelo, I think he's going to be starting over Rougier in a matter of time. I don't think he's going to. I think he's going to start too many games. I have my number three as Will Baldwin, who he doesn't want to be a six man anymore in the preseason game. That he's not a six man. I don't think he's going to have a choice. I think he's one of. He should be starting for almost any other team. And now that Michael Porter Jr. is there, he's going to take a backseat. Two, I have Danilo Gallinari, who Atlanta has said he's going to be coming off the bench behind John Collins. And as I said earlier, I think Atlanta is going to play the majority of the lineup with Clint Capella on the bench. Or John Collins on the bench. One of those two playing the five and Gallinari playing the four. And then my number one, Norman Powell. Put some money on that if you really believe that. (laughs) He was really good last year, and people didn't even notice it. I think Toronto, now that they lost Ibaka and Gasol, they'll – another theme I have here – I have a lot of themes. Yeah. Is small ball, which clearly is prevalent in the NBA nowadays. Toronto's going to play Siakam at the five, OG at the four, Norman Powell's going to play those minutes at the three, and then you're going to have Lowry and Van Vliet. So I think he might be playing 30, 32 minutes a game off the bench. And he was really good last year. He missed, I think, 20 games, but this whatever 50-something games that he played, he was Rano's player development is just probably the best in the league. I mean, between undrafted Fred Van Vliet, second rounder, Norman Powell, you've got late first round Siakam. Like, they just make something out of nothing. Terrence Davis going undrafted. I mean, Malachi Flynn, don't sleep on him. (laughs) Like, they... They just make something out of nothing always. I like that. If you really believe that, put some money on it because I think you're the only person predicting that open. Continue talking. I'm going to pull up. Um, <laughs> see if I could get it right yeah. now. So for Rookie so of the Year, up as we're speaking. this isn't necessarily what I think should happen, but I think people have already penciled in that LaMelo's winning Rookie of the Year. Um, and I think he's going to be great. I think he's going to come in and be able to do a little bit of everything. We've already seen his passing ability echoing that of Lonzo, but he's a better shooter than Lonzo. Um, He's a little bit more elusive than Lonzo. 
I think he's going to be great. I think he's going to win because all he has to do is have a couple good games at the beginning of the year, and they're going to give the award to him. Um, for two and three, it's the theme of guys on bad teams that are going to be given big roles. So I've got Obi Toppin really just being given a big role in New York to have a lot of highlight plays that are going to make people talk about him a lot. Also, if the Knicks made a good draft pick, which I think they did, it's just going to be talked about because it's the Knicks. And then I've got Killian Hayes, who I was really high on, who Detroit seems to be saying he's going to be the guy. We know we're going to be bad. Let's just throw this kid to the fire and let him learn. So I think he's going to put up a lot of numbers and he's going to be fun to watch, but I, I think it's going to be LaMelo. And I think that's kind of all there is to it. Okay. I have the same three, just in a different order. I have Obi Toppin three, because a lot of the same reasons you said Obi Toppin, I think is going to be like Jalil Okafor, where he's going to peak probably his rookie or sophomore year. Because he's so good offensively. Don't wish that so on the guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm not wishing it on him. I'm just, I, I scout a lot of guys. And I think he's more athletic, so I think he might stick. And he could shoot threes as Jalil Okafor cannot. So for that reason, I think he's going to have a more successful career than Jalil Okafor. But I have him number three. Because I just think he's going to be able to get stats. Whether they're empty stats or stats actually contributing to winning. I'm not sure. I have LaMelo Ball number two for a lot of the same reasons you said. Interesting. I'd love to see that. Just because, just like I said with SGA, one, I had Tony Hayes number two on my big board going into the draft, but I just think he's going to have such an opportunity with Detroit. I think Detroit's going to trade Derrick Rose at some point. So that's going to open up even more playing time for Killian Hayes to be the guy there. They really don't have anybody else. If Blake Griffin's hurt again, Jeremy Grant's not going to be the number one option on offense. So, like, Killian Hayes is going to get opportunities because a team with Jeremy Grant as the number one guy on offense is going to need the point guard to be able to make plays and do Love stuff. Um, and then Defensive Player of the Year. Um, I have Giannis at three. I think that he's disappointed too much in the playoffs the past two years for the media to give him any awards this year, um, whether that's fair or not, after giving him back-to-back MVPs and him flaming out the way that he has, I just don't see it happening. So I've got him at three. Um, my homer pick, which I don't think is that much of a homer pick, I've got Simmons second in Defensive Player of the Year voting because I think he's the most versatile defensor, defender in the league. Um, so I see him really, and especially because defense is going to be a big theme of the Sixers, I don't think he is going to be enough to win it because the guy I have winning it, I personally think should have won it last year in Anthony Davis. I think now that he's got the confidence of a championship under his belt, that dude's going to be a freaking monster this year in so many ways. So plus I think he's kind of salty that he didn't win it last year. So I see him just giving a ton of effort defensively and I think he's going to win it. Okay. I had Ben Simmons as really? well. Actually, I had Ben Simmons winning it. I think he's just so versatile how he can guard one through five. Very few guys in the league can do that. So I just think his ability to be able to really guard one through five is just going to stand out this year. And he's 
he's going to do what Sadiq Bey did at Villanova. And Sadiq Bey ended up making a name for himself in college and being the best defender in college basketball. Because Jay Wright, every single game, Sadiq Bey just covered the best guy. Whether it was a center, whether it was a point guard, whether it was a wing, it did not matter. And he locked them down. And I think Ben Simmons is going to be able to do something similar. Ben Simmons also, court to court, is probably the fastest guy in the league. So I don't think maybe second behind De'Aaron Fox. But Ben Simmons is just good. He can keep up with anybody because of that. I just think he's really going to have a monster year defensively. Before I get to my other two guys, <laughs> I found the odds for Norman Powell to win sixth man of the year. Okay. He's actually seven. I so thought it would be more like 12. Okay. Plus 2,400. There you go. So 24 to one. The guys ahead of him are Lou Williams, Dennis Schroeder, Jordan Clarkson, Montrezl Harrell, Davis Bertans, Spencer Dinwiddie, Tyler Hero, and he's tied with Danilo Gallinari. Oh, by the way, before I forget, because I meant to mention this, the other sneaky six-man-of-the-year pick that if he really embraces and and does well could be very fun, and the media could really run with the narrative, Carmelo Anthony. That could be fun. Okay, I can see it. Um, Who are your other two for defensive? That he didn't want to be a six man because Carmelo was so vehemently. Like I genuinely him. think he could win Come that award out of irony. I think that if he embraces the six man role and yeah. it's like, oh wow, look how great he is as a six man and how much he didn't want it, they'll just give it to him. Okay, my number two I have for defensive player of the year, I have Bam Adebayo because I think he's not as versatile sure. as Ben Simmons, but he's close. He could probably gold two through five, I would say, rather than one through five, just because he's not quick enough to keep up with the opposing team's point guard. And Miami's going to have a pretty damn good defense. So Bam being the anchor of that defense will really help him um, get number two in that voting. Then number three, okay. here it is again. I, I like it. Bridges. Should have been a sixer. I had a number three for most of the player. I'm expecting him to take a huge leap. I think he's going to be able to lock down every opposing team's best wing. And as I said, with Chris Paul mentoring him, I just think Love he's it. going to take a huge lead. Love it. And I'm very curious about your MVP. Um, so for three, I've got Jokic. Again, just because of the respect I'm putting on Denver, I'm going to you know put my money where my mouth is. If, they, if they're a very competitive two seed, and if, if there's a world where they're the one seed, he'll win it. I don't think there is a world where that'll happen because the one seed Lakers, that's why I've got LeBron at two, because LeBron will always finish top two in MVP. Depending on how dominant they are, and LeBron's my favorite player ever, I wouldn't be surprised to see him win the whole thing. But the guy that, because MVP always is whatever narrative the media puts out in the first 10 games of the season, that guy wins it. That's I can think of that for the last five MVPs. That's the way it's gone. And I feel like it's already kind of happening. Luca. I And again, I'm not saying he's going to deserve it, per se. I just think that's the narrative that's going to pick up and roll with it. And he'd be the youngest MVP ever. I think he'd beat Derrick Rose by a couple months. Don't quote me on that, but I think he is going to win it because I just think the media is going to run with it. Okay. So mine's a little bit outlandish. Okay. I have Giannis number three. I have Luca number two. Because Luca, I was going to put number one because I know I said Shea Gilles Alexander might average a triple double by averaging 23, 7, and 7. Luca is legitimately going to average a triple double with Kristaps out. If he'll be able to sustain it once Kristaps come back, I'm not sure. But it's good. If, 
he's going to have a season like Russell Westbrook had the one year when the Thunder got the six seed and he was the only dude on the team. I think Luca's going to go. So who do you have winning? But my thing is an MVP hasn't won that wasn't on a top three seed. Except Westbrook. Top three team in the West or in either conference aside from Westbrook when they were the six seed. That hasn't happened in like 40 years. The MVP always comes from a team that's top three in the conference. So for that reason, I didn't give it to Luca. You gave it to Damian, gave Damian Lillard. Wow. And that's another, um, I guess, since I think Paul has such a successful offseason, I just think they're going to be so coherent and well put together and things, things are just going to click for them. Because that's another team that's sneaky deep. They have Dame, CJ, Nochek, Covington, and Derrick Jones Jr. as starting five. In the bench, they have Gary. Six men of the year, Carmelo. Zach Collins. And again, I love Dame. I feel like he'd have to have a Steph Curry type season. I respect it. Like, heck yeah, that would be awesome. For for Portland, for his career. um, I feel like that's definitely kind of an out there pick, like you said. And he won. I have him on my LMB first team. Um, and we can transition to that in a minute. But yeah, like that would be fun. And if he, if Portland gets off to a hot start, that could be something that starts to pick up a little bit of steam. Um, but yeah, with the All-NBA teams, I don't feel like we need to spend a ton of time on it because we've talked about all these guys already. Uh, but for my All-NBA first, I've got Luka and Dame. I've got LeBron and AD, and I've got Jokic. I assume yours is probably similar. I had Dame and Luca as a backcourt as well. As I said, those were one and two in my MVP voting. I had Giannis number three in my MVP voting, so I have Giannis. I put LeBron on there. And then my center, I was going to put Anthony Davis, but I don't think he's going to put nearly enough minutes to center to qualify. He clearly doesn't. And now with Gasol and Trez on the team. Yeah, they went from Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee to Marcus All and Montrezl Harrell. So I just don't think he's going to play enough minutes to qualify at the center. So you got Jokic? Teams. You have Embiid. Wow. I have Joel See, for me. And that might, that might be a bias, but at the same time, I feel like I'm harder on Embiid and Ben Simmons than anybody I know. But I just think if he stays healthy and puts together with all the spacing that will be around him, My big thing, I really think he's going to be able to thrive. The way that the bubble went down, and as well as Jokic did, because I feel like going into the air, it's Jokic or Embiid who's the best center. And I love Embiid. He's my guy. I don't think it's even a debate that Jokic is the best center in the league. And I agree with what you're saying. That doesn't necessarily mean he's... Uh... Oh, I'm not saying Jokic's totally. not the best center. I but Embiid I mean, could have a better for team. me to have Jokic in my top three MVP, I need him on All-NBA first team. I feel like my hottest take of this is that I don't have Giannis on All-NBA first team. Again, I just see there being fatigue with it. Mm-hmm. Um, my second team is Steph, Harden, Durant, Giannis, Embiid. Harden, again, who the heck knows where he goes and how that impacts a lot of this. But I think Embiid as the second team center makes a lot of sense. Giannis, I, I can't have him lower than second team. Durant, I see going off. And Steph's going to have a great year individually. I don't know if it's going to be enough to propel Golden State to a real contender. Uh, but that's my second team. Okay. Um, we <laughs> have nine of the ten guys the same. I have Joe overall for our first and second team. I have Joe Kick and Anthony Davis on my second team, who you have them on your first team. 
I have Kevin Durant and I have Steph Curry on my second team. Okay. I couldn't put Harden on it because, as I said, I think Harden, until he gets traded, is going to tank the season. And, it's again, it reminds me of when Jimmy Butler requested a trade and they basically yeah. mocked him and didn't put him on the All-Star team because of that. So I just think Harden is going to tank the majority of the season, get traded around the deadline, and just that's – I don't have okay. any of my All-NBA teams. I just think this is a year where he needs to – So who do you have as your second team guard? And then he's back to first or second team contention next year. I Devin would love Booker. that. <laughs> Kentucky guards, man. Kentucky guards. Because <laughs> as I said, I see, I see Phoenix just making such a big leap. That would be awesome. That really, I. How can you not love that kid? I mean, it wouldn't shock me. Would it shock you if Devin Booker playing as Chris Paul was a scoring champion? That's kind of, I mean, with Harden not really contending for that, I feel like it could very well be Steph just carrying the load. It could be Dame, or it could be Luca. Or it could be Luca. It wouldn't, it wouldn't shock, shock me. Actually, no. It, it would shock me. If he if he scored more than Steph, Dame, Luca, okay. and okay, say what you will about Harden. My experience with him so far is even when he's a diva and even when he's a drama queen and going to strip clubs and unhappy, he's always showing up and putting up points. So uh, that's one thing he can yeah. do. Um, that's but do. My third team, I've got okay. Bam at center. Uh, I see him absolutely just Good taking life. a step and establishing himself better than Gobert and Towns. Um, I got to put respect on my boy Jimmy. So I've got him at forward with Kawhi. And then I've got I have Jamal Murray at guard, like I said earlier, because I see him winning most improved player. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, didn't Oladipo make third team that year? He won most improved. Um, and I just yeah. really like Denver this year. And I've got Ben Simmons on third team as well. Okay. I had Ben Simmons as well. So we have three of the five guys the same. The only two guys I had different are Jason Tatum instead of Jimmy. And I don't know. You might have convinced me on Jamal Murray third team. I just I have Trey Young. I don't see the Hawks being good enough. Especially because if Murray gets off to a hot enough start like he did in the bubble, I just really see him. Like, I think you convinced me, Jamal Murray, as my third. There we go, man. Denver. Um, second guard. Full send. But, um, I think the third team, because there are always a few sneaky ones that kind of make their way in on the third team. So that'll be a fun one to watch. But that's my, I mean, your bold pick is Devin Booker. I don't know if Jamal Murray's that bold of a pick, but I'm I'm feeling very good about that one. Um, okay. <laughs> I wish you could put money on those. I, there's no no sports book I know where says this player's running all defensive yeah. team or all NBA first team. And then for my rookie team, team so we both definitely have Lamelo, Killian Hayes, and Obi Toppin because we both have them. I've got Anthony Edwards because I. Yep see him having a really good season on a bad Minnesota team and really showing, okay, like he's got something there. And I have Wiseman. Um, I know you're big on a Kung Wu. Do you have him on your first team? Really? I don't have, I've got him on my second. On my teams. I think he's, I think a Kung Wu is going to be the second best player on this draft class behind Halliburton, but he's already missing the beginning of the year with a broken toe or whatever it is. So, he had, he's missed all of his rookie year training camp. He's missed all of his rookie year preseason. He's not going to play in the first few weeks of his rookie season. And then by the time he's 
already in the swing of things. I don't know how many minutes are off him because, as I said, I think Clint Capella is going to be playing. So, do you have Wiseman at center? Well, the thing with all rookie teams is they don't go by positions. They just take the five best guys. Okay. Is it like three forwards or three guards? I have, Okay. I guess, four guards and Obi Toppin. I have Killian Hayes, Lamella, Obi Toppin, just like we said. I have Tyrese Halliburton because I think he's going to supplant Buddy Heald in the starting lineup sooner rather than later and play awesome next to De'Aaron Fox. And then Very I have Desmond bold. Bain. I think with Justice Winslow Hurts, he's going to be able to solidify himself in that starting five. I think he's better than Dylan Brooks. I think he's better than Grayson Allen. I think he's going to be that was awesome. An absolute, I mean, year. Boston just gave up that pick for and yeah, yeah, just to get off Ennis Candle's salary, which I said in the mock off season. What Whenever happened, you got a prediction right in the mock in the mock off season, you texted me every single one. As I should, because the mock yeah. off season is very hard to get anything right, and there was like five or six different guys where I nailed five. And then for my second team, I do have Halliburton. I have a Kungwu. You may have convinced me to not. Um, I've got Isaac Okoro. I think he's definitely going to. Yeah. Isaac Okoro. I see him awesome having a very season. solid year. And then I've got Denny, who I mentioned earlier. I really believe in the kid. Um, I mean, when you've got these foreign – I mean, I'm not saying he could be Luca, but you could get somebody in that camp, or you could get the last guy to be a top 10 pick out of Maccabi Tel Aviv, Dragon Bender. So who the heck knows? I'm just excited about Denny. And then, I mean, of course, I got to put Tyrese Maxey in there because if he gets meaningful minutes, he's just so explosive and he's a Kentucky guard. So they'll throw him on there just just for the hell of it. (laughs) Okay, Okay. our second teams are extremely different. My first one, I did them basically in order. So basically the first guy off my first team and the first guy on my second team – I have is Patrick Williams, who, if before the preseason started, I wouldn't pat him on. He was kind of a shock at the fourth pick in the draft, but he's another one who could defend one through five. I think he's going to easily supplant Otto Porter in that starting five for Chicago, especially when Chicago falls out of it and <laughs> Otto Porter inevitably gets hurt. But he's had an awesome preseason, so I have Patrick Williams in there. I put Anthony Edwards in there just because he's going to put up stats. But we saw R.J. Barrett last year at that was 16 points a game, also, and he didn't make either first or second. Nor there. But, but the point is an inefficient, an inefficient guy might not make it just because he puts up stats, even though many rookies don't put up stats. But I gave it to Anthony Edwards. Okay. My next guy has Sadiq Bey. Villanova continues every single year to produce role players. Josh Hart, Archie Diacono, Eric Pascal... Kyle Lowry, who's obviously more than a role player, just every single year they produce role player after role player after role player. Sadiq Bay doesn't have almost any competition on the Pistons. I think he's going to play significant minutes from the beginning because D Rose and Blake Griffin, I think, are either both going to get traded or both get hurt. And I just see a ton of playing time path for him. And he's another guy, as I said, he defends one through five and he did that at Villanova. Will he be able to do that in the NBA? I'm not sure. But I don't know, maybe I'm putting too much stock in defense for rookies because typically rookies are horrible on defense even when they project to be great defenders. I got you. So maybe I am putting too much stock into that. 
But my number nine, I have Dene. And then my 10th, I have James Wiseman because I think Golden State's going to have to eventually put him in over Kevon Looney and let him start alongside Seth and Draymond, and that's when he's going to thrive. I think he's going to have an okay first half of the year and only play 15 minutes a night. But then once he starts playing 25, 30 minutes a night the second half of the year, so we've got like people are going to remember that and put him on. The same guys, but um, yeah. I got you. I mean, the rookies, I feel like, are always unpredictable because then there's going to be like Malachi Flynn. There's always a rookie that team. comes out of nowhere. But um, Yeah. Yeah, you could. And that's what, that's what I have Desmond Bain. Desmond it'll Bain, be a guy like that, that for sure. Um, and then it's defensive team. Um, I've got Ben. I've got Marcus Smart. AD, Giannis, Embiid, um, for a lot of the reasons that we discussed earlier when we were talking about all defensive teams. I don't see any world for the next couple of years where Marcus Smart isn't a first-team defensive guard. Ben, for sure. AD and Giannis, because I've got them in my top three voting. And I just see Embiid making a lot of big strides. So that's what I've got there. My defensive team is absolutely <laughs> Tell hilarious. Me more. Would you believe me if I told you the four best defenders in the NBA, none of them, none of those four on either of my first or second team? Giannis, AD, Gobert, and Kawhi. I don't have any of the four. I would love to hear how you rationalized that. Who do you have on there? My guards for my first team, Marcus Smart, I agree with. And then I have Chris Dunn, who probably should have so got the nod for second are you classifying team last year. Ben as a forward in this? Games or enough minutes. Okay. Okay. I am. I think Doc Rivers is going to utilize Ben Simmons as a forward. So for that reason, I think Ben's going to spend the majority of his time on forwards. So I have Marcus Smart. I have Chris Dunn. Albana, we know, has an atrocious defense. And Chris Dunn is going to be the best defender on that team. So when I think Atlanta makes okay. a stride. I think that's why he's going to have to do with Chris Dunn's defense. Ben Simmons. My other forward probably isn't going to shock you at this Fair point. Mikhail Bridges. Well, that's and not Bam inherently Bayern. ridiculous. Your second team. Uh, I thought well, if you've got Mikhail Bridges Mikhail in your top Bridges three voting, so for my second team, I've yeah. got the always disrespected Drew Holiday really playing a big role on, again, what I think is going to be the one seed. Um, I've got Lonzo as my I other one because um, I see him playing a big role in a Pelicans okay. team that is going to need his defense in the backcourt, missing Drew Holiday. Um, I've got Kawhi. I've got Robert Covington. Um, and I've got Gobert. Now, I need to hear who you have on your second team if you don't have Giannis A.D., Kawhi or Gobert. Okay. I have Drew Holiday, as I said. My second goal, I have Josh Richardson. I think he's going to play a big role next to Luca with Kristaps out. Okay. So I think this is going to be a bounce back year for him, especially defensively. Okay. I have Covington as well. I think he's going to play better defense playing power forward than he was small forward at this point. I have OG and Anobi taking a huge step. And I have... OG Ananobi, I was between OG Ananobi, Kawhi, and Giannis, and I said I think Ananobi's going to take big enough of a Ananobi could win to, most improved. Yeah, you genuinely could. Defensively. And then my last guy I okay. have is I put Embiid over Gobert. 
So yeah, so after that, I ended up leaving off Kawhi Gobert, AD, and Giannis. When, when you texted me earlier today and said your defensive teams were kind of hysterical, I thought you were going to do something stupid like put Drummond in there. At least you put legit defenders. It's just funny that or Hassan White. a lot of those guys fell out because of it. It's funny that the guy I have winning defensive player of the year you don't have on either of your first or second team, but I don't think AD any Simmons who are you for defensive player of the year. That's pretty funny. Okay, so two of the three I don't have. And the third one I have winning so, Defensive Player of the Year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be – I feel like the thing with these predictions is that they always are hysterical reflecting back on it. So should we do that when the season's done? Should we do another yeah, pod where after the this? awards are revealed, we reflect back on what we did and see how wrong we were? Yeah, last year I had um Mike Conley and my All NBA third team. I thought he was going to take a huge step in Utah, and yeah, he did the complete opposite. Did. So, 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 but yeah, this concludes this episode of the NBA Podcast. Rate and review me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, follow me on Twitter at the underscore NBA I would say follow Jake on Twitter, but <laughs> I don't know how he gets. I get it from you because he doesn't have a Twitter. Yeah, I'm basically the Woj in your life. That should be your new catchphrase. Your mom's favorite podcast on the Woj in your life. (laughs) Oh, that is a good one. I'll add that to the t-shirts. The NBA goal is coming out with merch. I will be posting a link on my Twitter page. I will be posting a link in the descriptions of the podcast. Once I know a price, I will let you guys know. And Thanks for having me, Steve. Talk to you guys next episode. Thanks for joining me, Jake.